Parent Show, sponsored by Raiden Solicitors, award-winning specialist family lawyers. See RaidenSolicitors.co.uk. Hello and welcome to The Parents Show on Radio Verulam 92.6 FM. I'm Lydia L. Curry and we're delighted to have you join us this evening. Tonight's show is all about reading and we're basically coming at it from every possible angle to provide you with as much support and information as parents and carers you can possibly get to, to get your head around this issue. And particularly as a New Year's resolution, I don't know about you, it's always on my list to read more and to know more about reading and to get my children to read more. So I thought we'd kick off the year with a good, wholesome topic like like reading. So I'm delighted to have Margaret Allen join us. And she's a curriculum and education specialist at Accelerated Reader. Now, I don't know if you've heard about Accelerated Reader. I have through my children, to my teacher friends. So I'm really curious to hear um, what exactly it involves. Margaret, you're very welcome to The Parents Show. Thank you very much. Thank you for the invite. And I'm delighted to, to be here and hopefully I can give a bit of insight. If I can just say that the company is actually Renaissance, but because Accelerated Reader is such a flagship, it tends to get merged. So um, I just wanted to say that the company actually started over 35 years ago. And it was what I love about Accelerated Reader is that it was actually born out of a mother wanting her children to read. She had four children, three daughters and a son. The daughters were reading and the son wasn't interested. Don't want to be too gender orientated here, but it's often the case, isn't it, that boys want to be out kicking a football. And so she started to write quizzes for books that she knew interested him. And her husband, who all that time ago was still was very into computers, so probably floppy disks and things, he started to track some of the results. And other parents got to hear about it. Accelerated Reader was born. So the fact ah. that it was it met a need, I think, is is really lovely and actually gives it the real credibility and the real sort of foundation from which it's grown. That is such a lovely story and it gives a great context. Brilliant. That's lovely to hear where it came from. So so Renaissance has developed accelerated reader since then. So tell us the premise. I mean, we've got the, the core idea. Where is it now? So um, it's now all over the world. It's global, you know, as everybody is. And it's gone global, particularly in the last sort of three or four years where it's being used in all sorts of guises. But essentially, it's a very simple program, which allows children to read and then take a quiz. So at the very core of it is it's about encouraging children to read and let's face it they want to do screen time they enjoy screen time we know we need to limit that but if we can dangle a carrot at the end of a book to say well if you read this book you can have some screen time obviously we don't position it quite like that but they love it and it really does work it does act as a catalyst particularly for those children who maybe are finding it difficult to access the right book, understand a little bit about what reading involves. They don't want, you know, I don't want to read, it's boring. And, you know, maybe they haven't had the experience at home that some children naturally get because their parents read or their parents are taken to the library. Accelerated Reader is a wonderful launch pad, really, for all ages. We, we actually say age six, but it's, it, you know, there are children who, who are younger than that. And essentially, the children read a book at the right level. I'll talk about that in a moment. And then when they finish the book, so it might be a five-question book or a 10-question book or a 20-question book, they're asked to sit a quiz. And that quiz will give them immediate feedback. But what's really also very helpful is that it gives a report to the teachers and so the teachers can have eyes on the children's reading activity. And of course, unlike maths and writing, where the teacher or anybody can see what a child can and can't do, sitting and talking to every single child after they've read a book is just not possible. Uh, so for a teacher to be able to see that this child is reading, they're reading at the right level, and they've got a good grasp of it. Yeah, that's it's so valuable. And actually, as a parent, too, now, you know, we get quarterly reports about 
bronze, gold, silver, where the best readers are standing. And it is, it's a lovely opportunity for us to have a peek into the, into the, into where things are as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I think what, just to go back to the sort of assessment side of it a little bit, Obviously, children should be given free choice to read. You know, we all know that if we were given a book and told to read it, it's unlikely, um, unless it's a friend or you're part of a book club, you're not going to read it. So the intention with the programme is that where, is, where possible, we give the children that freedom of choice. But in order to give them a starting place, they sit what we call STAR assessment. So it's essentially an assessment programme which is tailored for every single child. So a class of 30 children, they would all start at a different place depending on their age and maybe their ability. And they are asked questions, 34 questions. And during that period of time, the system, it's a computer adaptive system, it will test the child's knowledge. It will see what they can and can't understand very much around nuance, inference, deduction skills, which are obviously what we're hoping to develop for the children. And at the end of that 34 question period, they will be given a range. We call it a ZPD. And those of us that know about Vygotsky will know that know that the zone of proximal development is the optimum place. Not too hard that they get frustrated, but not too easy that they get bored. And that range is where the children should be reading 60% of their reading. So what we're trying to do is spearhead or sort of um, pinpoint where they would get maximum benefit from reading. But what I want to emphasize is these aren't scheme books. So they are the books that schools already have in their library. They're the Michael Moore Pergos and the Roald Dahls, Julia Donaldson, Mick Inkpen, All of those books that schools have already got, but children already know, but children are hopefully got at home and can go to the library and supplement. Yeah, I mean, we we found that there are quizzes on books that we have at home, or or ones that like will stretch. My son is is trying to is is on Hounds of the Baskervilles at the moment, and you know, it's it's everyday books we know, classics, which is so useful, and and I do love the kind of comprehension check. The, the fact that and and I love that it starts from age six, you know, because really there there's such a danger with reading. The kids are just flicking yes. through, Absolutely. skimming, not actually absorbing what's going on. And this is a lovely light touch way to just check that they've actually understood what they're reading. And I think the other thing, just to um, maybe brag a little bit in terms of the company's sort of DNA, it has got very strong education understanding. And so it is very research based. And obviously, if I work for the company, I'm going to be very positive. But I genuinely believe that what's being offered is something that is born out of a, a need, but also it is research driven. So the way in which the test is set up, the way in which the tests report to staff, so whether it's the senior leaders or part of a MAT, you know, a multi-academy trust, all of the elements are there for people to feel as though they have a stake in what the children are doing. And if the children are comfortable reading books that they are achieving, what what we have sort of what we call non-negotiables, and they are that children should be getting between 85 and 95% correct on their quizzes. So optimum spot, really. Again, this was based on some research we did with over 2 million children. And we saw that where the most value the children got um, from their reading development was if they weren't getting over 95%, because obviously, if they're getting 100% all the time, they're probably coasting. And let's be honest, if there's a bit of a, as you said earlier, there are you know, competitions and goals to get for, oh, I'll just get the easy books then. Um, I'll go for those, you know. And if they get 75% correct, we're not saying, you know, that's all bad, but the optimum sweet spot is 85 to 95% correct. We also recommend, as I said earlier, 60% of their reading should take place within that ZPD range. And that's really important to emphasize because we do sometimes get people saying, oh, you're forcing my child to read books they don't want to read. You know, it is about freedom. You know, it is about saying, look, if you want to read this book, that's absolutely fine. You may struggle with the quiz. But if you're going to enjoy it or you're going to read it with your parent or your aunt or your sister, that's absolutely fine. And then the other thing that we're quite keen that people adhere to is that 
the amount of time each day. So again, based on research, the children that read for, I think it's 42 minutes, it's as precise as that, did really, really well um, in their progress. Whereas the children that are reading, you know, barely for five minutes are not. So the, the, the ultimate is 15 minutes a day. And it is a day, you know, 15 minutes every day, reading at the right level, making sure that you're understanding what you're reading. And it's important that someone's looking at the reports as well, of course. That's it, Margaret. You've just given me another Christmas present because now I have your voice telling my children for at least 15, 42 is optimal. And that's, you know, parents want that. We want that guide because if we're not kind of given a benchmark of what to aim for, we struggle to know what to do. So that that is just brilliant. Oh, my kids are going to be thrilled. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> That's really, really helpful. And this all ties into developing literacy in in every respect. And I, I, from everything I'm hearing from you, that sounds like a big goal. I think, obviously, reading is core to everything, isn't it? And, you know, we need to develop a love of reading, but we also need to develop children's vocabulary, their, their language acquisition. Children who don't talk very much don't read very much very often um, in terms of their, their vocabulary is limited and so they need to find ways of developing that vocabulary. Writing is obviously intrinsically linked with reading and if you have got a broad understanding of language and you recognise uh, vocabulary, then you're going to be much, much stronger in, in, in the future. And as we know, when we leave school, a lot of our reading is actually nonfiction. It's form filling, it's research driven, it's going onto the internet and using Google. Um, so we need to make sure that children have a balance between nonfiction and fiction. And um, the reporting in Accelerated Reader will also pick up on that if a child is not reading enough nonfiction. In primary, we, we tend to say that children can take the book with them to quiz because a non-fiction experience is very different. Obviously, you wouldn't necessarily read a non-fiction book cover to cover. So if children understand about the glossary and the index and the subheadings and, and um, know that if they're answering a question on diet, it's probably quicker to look up where in the book it appears. Those are yeah. some of the skills that will also be helpful as children develop in their reading journey. Fantastic. That's that's great to hear. I mean, and, and the thing is, because quizzes become so regular and so normal, it, it takes the sting out of them too, doesn't it? It doesn't make it such a huge thing to do. And particularly in primary, if you can bring the book in with you, that, that really takes the pressure off. Certainly with nonfiction, it, it really does help. And I think, you know, there are lots of ways, there are some amazing ideas out there on, on, on the internet, you know, teachers, parents, enthusiasts are always sharing, you know, a good incentive or a way of doing it. So that's always helpful too. So um, it's worth having a look. And as you say, I mean, it's not even just, it's, I mean, English is vital for all subjects. I mean, history, geography, every, exactly. every subject, I mean, it, you know, revolves, involves good comprehension, you know, even exams do. So it's great to still it. And, and actually, I'm a, I'm a great advocate for teachers using the quizzes as a discussion background, you know. So if you've got a book open and you've been reading it to the children, let's have a look at the quiz. And actually, that gives an opportunity for discussion and deeper understanding and, and relevance and comparisons. How do we know which is the right answer? What's, what's the plot here? What's the author intending? All of that sort of nuance, inference, deduction that children need to develop and don't always find it very easy to. So I'd love to ask you um, about whether tech is replacing reading. I mean, I have my own opinion about, I've got too many opinions on this, <laughs> but but is is reading becoming less important in the curriculum, Margaret? Is it, is tech replacing it or what what are you seeing? So there's definitely a mixture now. We do actually have a digital library um, that schools are using and during the pandemic they found it very helpful because it gave children access so Myon was a great platform to enable teachers to say to children look you've got 24 7 access to these books go and read them from my perspective as a granny of eight and a primary school teacher if I thought that children weren't going to sit on my lap and share a book or sit in the corner on a cushion and, and read a book and turn those pages of that much loved 
I don't know, the tunnel by Anthony Brown or whatever it is that is your, your flavour of, of, of the month, I would be very sad. And I honestly can't believe that they've, they've gone and tech's going to take over. I think the embellishment, the enhancement that technology can bring to the table can't be dismissed and should be embraced because there are opportunities. I know, you know, going onto YouTube and listening to Michael Rosen read Chocolate Cake well, how amazing is that? That doesn't mean you should never read it for yourself from a book. But to have him sitting there beside you doing all of those amazing noises and really engaging and he loves it and he knows it and he changes the words slightly because it's his poem. And equally, you know, YouTube has so much to offer. But I think if children are sitting watching a screen for that all the time, inevitably, they just glaze over. It's a bit like too much television, isn't it? I can remember we used to say post-television syndrome when our children watched, you know, all of a sudden they're sort of like, well, where's the action? Well, you know, why aren't I being engaged? So I think tech is obviously part of the curriculum and should be part of the curriculum and children should have that exposure. But if you're asking me whether it's going to take over reading, I would hope and I'm pretty certain the answer to that is no. Reading is also about engagement and cuddling up with a book in bed, isn't it? <laughs> Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. So let's talk about how parents can engage. I, I, you're a grandparent yourself. Have you got any tips for us, Margaret, on how to best do that? And, and can we you know, how can we use Accelerated Reader best? Or is it really just a school tool? Absolutely not. Um, I mean, I think one of the biggest things that parents can do, and I'm sure I'm speaking to a lot of people who know this already, but you've asked the question, and that is read to your children. You know, not because they can't read, but because they're enjoying the book, they're enjoying the experience and they're enjoying your insight into that story. I don't think that you should be sitting there unpicking and unpacking every line as you're reading to them because that's a complete turn off. But to make a comment, to engage with the text and say, oh, that's a funny thing to say or what, what do you think is going to happen next? Or, you know, that sort of prompting and underlining some of the obvious is key to it. And I, as a teacher, used to find it quite challenging sometimes when parents say, well, my child can read, so I don't need to read to them. You do. Even when they're 14, you know, to just share share something, even if it's a newspaper article. And I think that's the other thing as well, that reading isn't just about books. It's about text. Um, I heard someone say the other day, you know, what was the last thing you read? And they started talking about a book. And she said, well, actually, we're in a restaurant. You've just read the menu. And I'm not saying that that's, you know, what we should be basing our reading diet on. But we need to understand that when they're looking at a screen, they are reading. They are engaging. But we need to be there as parents and carers to support that and, and help them, signpost them so that they understand the value of reading. But they enjoy it. Because, you know, you can't force someone to read. You can't force most children to do most things. But reading's really hard. And I had children who'd come into the class and they'd open their book bag and they'd put the book on the table and then they'd just put it back in again. You know, you need to find a way of exciting them. And going to the library, you know, libraries are amazing. Do you know, you can order something like 20 books. And when you're ordering children's books, it doesn't even cost you, you know. So one of the websites, arbookfind.co.uk, that's a free website. And if you are intending to go to the library, parents, yeah. go onto that website, have a look. at. There's over 40,000 books on that website. Okay, they're all the quizzed books, but it will give you a starting place. Libraries can sometimes be a bit overwhelming. You walk in, you think, oh, where do I start? Yeah, yeah. Um, but if you've ordered the book and you've had a conversation with your child about the book, look at the the, the genres, look at the, the levels, look at the interest levels. So the other thing we do is make sure that they're appropriate. So interest level um, is about content. So famously, Of Mice and Men is a similar book level to the Roger Hargreaves books. 
Really? Now, that's because Roger Hargreaves uses complex sentences and quite sophisticated language, where Steinbeck uses very simple sentences and very simple language. So there's lots of information on that website. So do go and have a look at it and, and use it as a way of helping you to understand better what would be appropriate. Brilliant. Do you mind repeating that again, Margaret? Of course. Yes, it's arbookfind.co.uk. And it's, as I say, there is a .com version. So make sure you go to the .co.uk version. And you can search through all sorts of filters. Really helpful website. I often share it with people because it is just there and and available. And I think if you've got an insight, if your school has got Accelerated Reader, you'll know about book levels. If you don't know about book levels and you don't really know what I'm talking about, don't worry, you'll still find it a really, really helpful resource. Fantastic. So if there are parents listening in as we wind up our, our, our chat today, Margaret, if there are parents listening in and they think, actually, you know, Accelerated Reader is exactly what my, my school needs or I'd love to, I'd love my school to think about taking this on, what would you recommend they do? Well, I think it might not be appropriate to start knocking on the head's door and saying, I think you should be buying this program. I'm not sure that would work or would be, um, you know, received. It is a program which is for schools. So you can't, you know, you can't buy into it on your own because of the data aspect of it. Um, You know, that, that doesn't work. But certainly signposting it to your school. The website is www.renlearn.co.uk and you'll find all sorts of information there about what else we do, if that's helpful. I don't know. There's videos, there's ways in which you can engage. Brilliant. Just, I mean, if it came up in a, in a parent forum meeting or something like that, it, it just, it, it, um, because I'm, I'm sure there are lots of programs out there and, and schools, I don't know how they keep up with everything that. Absolutely. Um, I do think Accelerated Reader is very well known. And, you know, people, sometimes it's a budget thing, sometimes it's a staffing thing, but it does work. You know, it really does. It does make a difference to the way in which children engage with reading, engage with books. And it also gives teachers an insight into how their children are developing. Fantastic. Margaret Allen, thank you so much for joining us on The Parent Show and sharing your passion and your insight for books. Thank you very much for having me. A very warm welcome to The Parents Show on Radio Verulam 92.6 FM. Uh, I'm Lydia Alcoury and thanks a million for joining us on this evening this evening's show. So for the new year, our new year's resolution, well, my new year's resolution, and I wonder how many of you share share the same resolution, is to get myself reading more and to get my kids reading more and reading regularly. So tonight's show is all centered around reading and we're coming at it from different perspectives. So we spoke to Margaret from Accelerated Reader and now the voice that we all value incredibly. Um, We're speaking to a local teacher. So we're talking to Jack Pettit, who is in charge of literacy at our our local school, Verulam School, that we all know and love. Jack, thanks a million for joining us on The Parents Show. Thank you for having me. Thank you very much. So we always love to hear it straight from the horse's mouth. Um, And uh, so, Jack, can you share with us why is literacy important for secondary school children? Yeah, I mean, it's such a difficult question to answer because there are so many different facets that build into the importance of literacy. I'm going to answer that question um, in three ways and, and each way is um, gets narrower. So the first reason is a really broad answer and that is simply students are and will become more active citizens of their own global and digital world. So by that sense, you know, literacy skills are so crucial. They're crucial capital for a young person to not only live satisfactorily and to participate actively in the society in which they live, but also it will help their academic performance in schools. And that leads quite nicely onto my second reason why literacy is important and that is really to do with attainment attainment within the academic sphere so firstly language reading literacy is is central to learning 
And embedding literacy within everyday life will improve learning and hopefully, as research suggests, raise attainment across all subjects. And really interestingly, if you have a look at the breakdown of literacy and writing across GCC and A-level subjects, we find that 88% of the exam content that is tested is actually all written. So we start to see the wider picture here that actually, although it's important, and yes, we can acknowledge that our pupils will go on to be citizens of wider life and society, but it's also important for them to succeed in their public examinations. And I think that leads quite nicely onto my third reason why literacy is important, and that's to do with ensuring that teaching and learning is held accountable and the expectations of teachers across the country are being met satisfactory. So firstly, all teachers are judged on what we call teacher standards. So literacy is explicitly mentioned across the board, especially in um, standard three, which is all about subject knowledge. Literacy is also a key focus and component of the revised Ofsted framework, which we all, some of us love, some of us hate to that word Ofsted. And also more, probably more topical is the, the leading organization for research and practice in, in education is called the Education Endowment Foundation or the EEF. Now they published a report in 2019 and their broad brushstroke is literacy is ever so crucial today in this unfortunately literacy eroded 21st century. So um, yeah, three, three big reasons why literacy is important. Thanks a million for setting the scene there, Jack. It makes an awful lot of sense. And, and it is, I think as parents, we do need to be reminded why it's so important. And it also gives us the ammunition to encourage our children on the right path. And when you lay it out and say 88% of exams are in the written form, it, you know, it really adds a context to it that we need, we need to know. So why literacy then in the scarier, wider world? I mean, I'm going to start that answer with some scary statistics. I think they speak volumes. Unfortunately, one in 11 disadvantaged pupils in the UK say that they don't have a book of their own. We can also see that low levels of literacy actually undermine the UK's economy, and it costs the taxpayer £2.5 billion every year just because of this problem of low levels of literacy being illiterate. And perhaps a quite a harsh statistic here is that 60% of people in prison actually suffer from functional illiteracy and innumeracy. So what we've got is we've got statistics, we've got this data that we can't necessarily argue with, but we can start asking the question, why is literacy important when young people go out into the scary wider world on their own? And I think particularly with, with the contemporary issues of the 21st century, actually most exposure to literacy today is, is through the media. Most exposure through reading is through social media. Um, extended writing, extended reading is, you know, becoming more uncommon as time passes. And in particular, that I've noticed is that lots of young students, uh, lots of young people are mainly stimulated visually by screens. And when we piece all of this together, you know, standards of accuracy are clearly being eroded. So if we piece the idea of, I think, you know, the, the second statistic I gave there, that low levels of literacy undermine the UK's economy, costing the taxpayer 2.5 billion a year, you know, that just shows that actually in the wider world, you know, literacy is very important, whether that be for employability reasons, whether that be to keep yourself safe online. Literacy isn't just reading, writing. It's also the ability to actively participate in society. Yeah, I mean, it, you're really making a very strong, a strong case for putting yeah, a lot of a lot of effort and time into developing our children's literacy. So, and and it, obviously, as parents, we have a we have a role to play. 
I have to say, when it comes to secondary school, it feels harder to play a role. But I'd love to know from you, is it important for parents to still be actively engaged and supporting children in literacy? And if it is, why it is? Yeah, 100%. I mean, I will start the answer with there's a huge misconception. uh, And this misconception is based on the latest cutting educational research is that pupils would have mastered reading and in some cases writing at primary school. You know, there's little or no need to worry about reading at secondary school. And this misconception is 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 wrong. There is an unequivocal amount of, of evidence about the benefits of parental involvement in their, you know, child's education in general. And actually research shows that parental involvement in their child's learning positively impacts the child's performance at school. It's a two-way approach. And this impact is the same regardless of background, regardless of family income, and regardless of parental level of education. So this idea of, you know, the home environment, literacy is actually one of the areas where parents have the facilities to become involved and to make a difference. And it is of absolute paramount importance that pupils have a reading age that corresponds with their chronological age. So parents can do lots and lots and lots at home to try and support literacy and and, and reading. That's brilliant. That's such such a really helpful thing to know. And, And it's, you know, I think quite often parents are afraid particularly at secondary school level, that maybe maybe their help isn't wanted. But knowing that our help is needed and that it makes a massive difference is great information for us to have. And, and so understanding that, so that, that the children's reading age should correspond to their actual age, that's something for us all to strive for. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, yeah. So whether that be the child is six months behind or... 18 months behind or 24 months behind you know that that data is quite powerful and it is really important to to ensure that you know any young person is at the same age or exceeding that age great so can can i ask you very practically what you'd suggest parents can be doing and in particular parents of boys can be doing to help with literacy at home because I'd say parents will have their pens poised now ready to take some notes and see how we can make a difference. Yeah of course I think that's a a quite a broad question so I'm going to break it up into some key themes if that's okay. So one big pillar of, of literacy is writing. So the way I look at supporting writing at home is three broad areas. So the first one is opportunities. The second one is investment. And the third one is providing that exposure. So opportunities might be, you know, can you as a parent look for opportunities for purposeful writing at home? Can you read and write letters together? Can you read and write lists together? That might be a shopping list. How about a postcard? Um, Thank you notes, you know, all of these provide small, regular opportunities for most young people to put pen to paper. Parents could encourage their children to keep a scrapbook of family holidays and to actually write captions of brief descriptions underneath them. They could provide interesting stationery, pens, stickers to encourage writing. They could, you know, if they're really, really keen, enter local, you know, writing contests or write letters to, to, to editors or even start their own diary or blog. Secondly, um, investment is really important from parents. So do you actively invest as a parent in your child's education? So why don't you ask to see your child's exercise books? You know, ask them about their writing. Why have they chosen certain words? Are they happy with how they've laid out that day's or that week's or that month's lessons? Can you ask your child to read their work out to you? Can they spot any errors before they hand it back in? Can you encourage your child to proofread their written work before submitting? You know, all of these are general skills that we take for granted as adults, but it's about providing that scaffold and those small tools that enable that dialogue at home to mirror what might be going on in a classroom. I think lastly is is obviously um, exposure. And that is really try and try to ensure that your child sees you as the parent reading and writing you know do you reread a letter as you write do you reread an email as you write lots of us again work from 
at home. So, you know, if your child gets home from school and, and you're writing or reading an email and it's appropriate to, could you perhaps ask them to read through something or, you know, link to your work, a bit of exposure to real life day to day, you know, jobs? Do they see you reading and writing a grocery or shopping list? What about writing a birthday or greeting card? So, I mean, those are the three ways, you know, little tiny tools that perhaps could help with writing. I think another pillar of um, literacy is speaking and listening. And we, we, again, take that for granted. But you could, for example, as a parent, structure your talk around a piece of media. So, I mean, lots and lots of families watch films, TV programs, television, especially in the evening. So could you perhaps ask questions and talk about the purpose of a book or an article or a TV program or a Netflix show that you might be watching together and maybe ask about the author's or producer's reasoning behind creating it or the language that may be used in something you've read or watched? You know, is it used for persuasion? Is it used for purely informative choices? And of course, this is quite an easy way in because it can, this conversation can happen on the sofa, you know, at seven o'clock in the evening and it can be a few minutes. And, you know, as parents, we, do, we don't have to, you know, explicitly say, I'm going to talk to you now about literacy, but it's about understanding how you could guide those conversations and, and tease out some very important, you know, thought provoking processes that, that a young child will have to think about as they, obviously, as they answer. You might ask more uh, generic questions, you know, tell me why you uh, why you're interested in the book that you're reading at the moment or, you know, what is this TV show about that you're interested in? Do you think that this show, you know, the producer wants us to believe something? Are the opinions that you read fair? Um, how do you feel about this TV show? So, I mean, it's all about active questioning and modelling oracy to our to our younger people so that they can again, that word. So they are exposed to uh, lots of different types of maybe debates and opportunities. I think, of course, um, I would, I'm not going to say the most important, but a very important aspect of literacy is reading. And quite scarily, the percentage of words that a student, an average student, let's say year nine, okay, so 13, 14 years old, the percentage of words for a student needs to know to understand what they are reading is 95%. So 95% of any given text that is read by a young person, they need to understand, they need to know, sorry, 95% of that text in order to understand it. That's a lot. It's very high, actually. Yeah, yeah, it is. Absolutely. So, okay, what about practical strategies to help help reading? So, Again, let your child see you reading. Uh, can you take an interest in what, what your child is reading? If they're enjoying a particular author, book or genre, then why don't you read it too? You can share that experience with them. Um, make sure you've got books or magazines or other reading materials for like long car rides or train journeys. Could you get a subscription to a magazine? Could you visit the local library together? Could you ensure that the exposure to reading doesn't decrease during the holidays, which I'm sure over Christmas it certainly has. But the most, the most supported practical tool that parents can use with their children at home is actually reading out loud together. And this is something at Verulam that we will be launching, a big scheme for our younger pupils. And there are lots and lots of benefits to parents reading out loud with and to their children, including, you know, it helps children grasp bigger narratives, it increases their vocabulary. We can, inst can instill heroic or moral lessons, builds empathy, facilitates important conversations. And um, a very famous educationist, Michael Rosen, has actually said that reading aloud to pupils is one of the most effective but least expensive vital bridges to improve literacy at home. So it's important that parents don't assume, you know, because their child can read fluently, that they actually comprehend everything that they do read. So something that you might think about would be, let's aim for 30 minutes a week. So 15 minutes, your child might read aloud to you. And then for 15 minutes afterwards, you might read aloud to your child. 
And that could be on anything. That could be a book. That could be an article. That could be a update from Sky Sports. You know, it doesn't matter really the content. What really matters is that practice, that process of reading aloud together in order for you to guide, expand on and expose younger people to reading. I have to say I'm a bit I'm a bit embarrassed that so many things that you mentioned there I'm not doing. And I didn't even realize really that it was still valuable to a secondary school pupil. So Jack, thanks a million for how practical and how accessible you've you've made those tips for us parents, like things like active questioning, simple subscription to a magazine. And the reading out loud 30 minutes a week, I mean, it's something we can all spare 30 minutes a week. And the tips you've given us alongside with what Margaret was saying, that a bare minimum of 15 minutes a day reading up to an optimal 42 minutes a day of of reading. And she said, and I do mean every day, is um, really helps us, helps us as parents see a way of um of approaching this because it, it is a bit overwhelming for us and i mean every every parent every carer wants the best for their children but you've helped us through it like through the topic and given us such fantastic help modeling giving every opportunity to expose our children to reading making the opportunities it's just such a great help thank you so much for sharing your thoughts with us they're incredibly incredibly valuable no, thank you. Thank you. Hopefully, I mean, you know, hopefully they, they can be of some use. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. So thanks uh, to Jack Pettit, who is in charge of literacy at Verulam School here in St. Albans. And um, we'll be putting links to all uh, to the school on, on our social media. Thanks a million for joining us, Jack. Thank you. Thanks. Tonight's show is all about books and reading. And we've had a fantastic lineup of guests really giving us so much valuable information to us as parents about reading, the importance of it, literacy. And we think the perfect way to wind up the show is to talk to an amazing local initiative, which is Books on the Hill. And we're speaking to Antonia Mason, who is the events and social media manager at Books on the Hill. Antonia, you're really welcome to the Parents Show. Oh, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. So for anybody who doesn't know Books on the Hill, tell us where you are. As if it is the name is in the name is in the 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 hint is in the name, isn't it? Yeah. Um. So we're situated on Hollywell Hill. Um. So you can't really miss us. Aim for the big hill through the city. Um. We're right next to the Peahen and opposite the cathedral. So we're really in the heart of the historic city. Um. Which is amazing. Um. We do have a few signs outside. Um. And you can find us on the Bid website and everything as well. I mean, I think most people do know Books on the Hill, but just in case they don't. And, and, and I have to say, every time I walk or drive past it, I get a sense of magic. It really looks like such a, a, an alluring and attractive place to go and, and find a good book. Tell us a little bit about your story. Yeah. So our bookshop came about um, when my mum spotted a lovely bookshop for sale down in Cornwall. And um, unfortunately, myself and my siblings would not move to Cornwall to help her dream down there. Um, So she's decided to look a little bit closer to home. We'd all grown up around St. Albans and a space became available on Hollywell Hill. So she asked me if I would join her in this venture. My retirement plan had always been to open a bookshop. So I started about 40 years early. But it was an incredible journey to create it. Um, We actually lost the space twice whilst we were doing contracts. Um, So for a little while, it was a bit unsure whether we'd get that particular space. Um, But we persevered and we were able to achieve it. And we opened our doors on the 11th of November 2019. So only a few months before lockdown, which is incredible when you see our local and community support and the fact that we weren't around long enough really to get our name out but we persevered and we're still here and we're online as well so it's incredible that we we survived oh I and I think I think 
parents will be delighted that you have survived it. And I, I know everybody was worried about, you know, the kind of gems in the city and, and certainly Books on the Hill is, is one of them. So it's fantastic that you have survived. So tell us a little bit about your ethos and what's behind the bookshop. What, what, what do you hope to give people who come into the shop? Well, a range of things we have on offer is to really help people decide books that they want to read. We stock a wide range of titles, not just for adults, but for children as well and throughout different age groups, all of which are heavily researched by our booksellers. I think we 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 decided quite early on that we wanted our staff to be involved in the researching and curating of our shelves. So we've got a real unique perspective there that our staff really believe in the books on our shelves and they've really taken the time to research them. Um, so for children especially where reading can sometimes be a challenge, um, myself I came to reading quite late and there are ways in which we can make that easier through various genres such as graphic novels. Um, one of my favourites, The Hobbit, it's a wonderful graphic novel and it's a great kind of unique tool that parents can read alongside their children but the children can still get captured in the imagination especially if they're struggling and it's a wide range of titles now in graphic novels. We've got To Kill a Mockingbird, which is always helpful for GCSE students to kind of get a different perspective on the story. And our whole aim is to basically be there for the customer. So we offer different subscription packages for readers um, around the UK. Um, we've done subscriptions for parents and families abroad. One of my favourites was to a five-year-old girl in the Netherlands that we sent her a three-month subscription package and we got some lovely feedback that they were books she'd, she'd never come across before and absolutely enjoyed. So we kind of are here for our customers and we are always there to help them research books. Um, we've got quite a lot of PhD students who find it very tricky to get their texts. And we do the research and the time, use our contacts abroad and get them those textbooks. So we kind of offer a range of things, but we are, at the end of the day, we are here for our customer. Wow, that sounds really fantastic. And I didn't I didn't know I'm a customer, but I didn't really even know the the breadth of what you offer. That's that's really, really fantastic. And so what have you got coming up in 2022? So we parents can get our children engaged or we parents ourselves can model good reading behavior. Yeah, so this year it's very exciting. We've taken on a, a new bookseller at the in November, um, Amy, who is our children's bookseller, who is starting to put together our children's workshops um, that will be starting in April and June. These are two different workshops. So the one in April is called a classic text workshop. Now this is aimed at students at GCSE and A-level levels and to really kind of help them with grasping their their texts. Obviously, we are, you know, we've got a lot of classics under our belts. We read them on the regular and we talk with a lot of teachers and we're going to try and curate a workshop that helps them during that busy period before exams, just to refresh knowledge, see the text in a different light and even give them top tips and tricks for essay writing. Um, so that's something in the works at the moment for April. For June, we're going to be starting a young readers book blog. Um, so this is where children can come in and we talk to them about a story and they're going to be doing a mixture of writing about the story, how they felt about it so far, and also drawing pictures of what they feel the story represented. And these are going to go onto our website. So they're going to have published work on our website. The best image we're going to use is the cover image. And this is going to be something we regularly do throughout the year, just to kind of get children into understanding that uh, reading can be so much more than just a book. It can take you to different places. You can go into journalism. You can go into blogs themselves. There's a whole world out there to do with reading. And also another way for them to kind of push themselves into that next bracket of doing extracurricular outside of the school classroom and something exciting that we hope parents can can really get on board with. Brilliant. And I saw on your website that you you do book clubs, is that right? Can yes. you tell us a bit about those? So at the moment our book clubs are aimed at adults um, and also students of GCSE age and above. Um, but we are hoping to do a children's book club as well. We've just been waiting for the right time to ensure that it's the safest possible environment for children. Um, it's something we started to discuss at our Festival of Culture, which started back in the summer. And we're hoping to bring again um, this July instead so we can catch the schools whilst they're still at school. But we like to offer a range of different author talks and events. Um, quite a few of the schools in the local area would have had a few author visits from us now. 
And it's a great way to kind of excite children by meeting the people behind the books. So Stephen Vinicor is a local author who writes the Roman Ted's time traveling toilet. And um, his first one took uh, place in the Roman period, um, which is obviously very suited to St. Albans. And he went into the schools and it was very exciting for the children to meet him and also read about the book and get the books themselves which is incredible to see that excitement and something in our festival where they got to meet various different authors, um, such as Ross Montgomery, who is just so exciting and eclectic. It's wonderful. So we, we're starting to build our children's book clubs. They'll probably start online and on our social media for children to follow at home themselves. And as soon as we get into the summer months, we're hoping to bring that into the shop as well. Fantastic. What a great idea. And and particularly July is a great time because kind of exams are out of the way, things are dialing down and it's a good idea to plant seeds to keep reading going over over the summer. So that's uh, great timing overall. But Antonia, what, what you have on offer is just fantastic. And we're so lucky to have this on our doorstep here in St. Albans. Yeah, it's it's such a wonderful city and such an educational city. Um, we've worked closely with the cathedral and the museum and you've got such a wide range of things on offer around the city that we wanted to ensure that what we're bringing to the table is something important and also fun as well as educational. Because um, there's always that balance for children that sometimes the best education they can have is an education they don't realise is an education. And seeing children in the shop reading books, children coming up to us that are saying they've never picked up a book before, but they saw the cover, read a bit about it, spoke to our booksellers, and then we see them five minutes later sat in the reading nook, reading their hearts out to a new book. And it's a wonderful thing to see. And just that we can help children as well. Um, there are different areas that we are expanding our research into more, so such as dyslexic-friendly books. We've got a range in the shop, but that's something that we're building on just so that we can help every everyone to enjoy reading because there's a book for everyone. We just haven't found it yet. Brilliant. That's fantastic. And Antonia, just before I let you go, can you just remind us of your website for anybody listening in? Yes, of course. It's um, www.books-on-the-hill.co.uk. Um, but you can find it through our social media, which is Instagram with Books on the Hill St. Albans. Um, same as Facebook, Books on the Hill St. Albans. And we're also on Twitter, which is at Books Albans. Um, so a range of different ways to find us there. Fantastic. Antonia Mason from Books on the Hill. Thanks a million for joining us on The Parents Show. Oh, it's a pleasure. And thank you to everyone for your support over the last few years. We really appreciate it as a team and happy new year. <laughs> thank you. Well, we've come to the end of another show uh, on Radio Verlum. Thank you for listening to The Parents Show this week. And I hope you've learned even half as much as I have from our fantastic guests. Um, we've so many wonderful people locally who are helping us uh, navigate parenting issues. And I think getting our children reading is is definitely one worth giving a bit of time and attention to. So thank you so much to Margaret Allen from Renaissance Learning. Um, for telling us about the Accelerated Reader Programme. Thanks hugely to Mr. Jack Pettit from Verulam School for giving us some great tips and tricks uh, to help get our children more literate, more uh, more, and, and more keen to read. And finally, thanks a million to Antonia Mason from Books on the Hill for telling us about the great events they have coming up in 2022. Happy New Year and thanks for listening to The Parents Show.